Amen. Just need to get that off my chest. He's been good. He's been good. Even even when it seems like things are bad, he's good. Amen. Amen. I had some announcements, and I've got a little ring up here. Uh, I had some announcements I was going to go, but I'm just going to jump right in today. Last week, we kicked off this series, What If Only? Looking at two of the biggest ifs that we all will face. What if, if only? If only deals a lot with regrets. If only I'd done this or hadn't done that. If only I'd stayed in school. If only I'd reached out. And what ifs deal with, man, what if I can do this? But they both deal with fear and regret. Because if you do have that what if moment, there's going to be a little fear of what if I step out? What if I, uh, you know, uh, there's always that. And we deal with that. And we talked about Elisha, how Elisha had his what if moment where he, he uh, slaughtered his oxen, burned the plows, declaring there's no plan B. I'm not leaving any room to go back. It's, this is the path. We looked at the life of Peter and some of the other disciples where Jesus approached them. They were fishing, and Jesus said, hey, follow me. And the Bible says they left everything and followed him. Today, uh, uh, and I want to welcome our own light audience because we do have a, a large uh, guys. And thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, and I believe everyone in here, even those looking, uh, watching online, God's got something to say. Um, we're going to look at uh, the life of Peter again. And last week we, we looked at his life when he began to follow Jesus. I want to look at a time and a season in Peter's life when he walked away from Jesus. And what that looked like and how it can relate to us. Um, how many grew up in the South? I mean, like, we've got a lot of transplants, but I'm talking about people you grew up in the South, born and bred in the South, you probably dated a cousin. Alabama, they go to family reunions to meet their spouse. Come on now. See, I grew up in the South. I, I mean, I am one of those, I am proud to be Southern. I mean, I am like American by birth, Southern by the grace of God. That, that's me. But here's what I've realized growing up in this area of the country. When you ask, are you a Christian? We just ask somebody. 70 to 80% of people say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But what I'm finding is what they really mean is this. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Because here's the truth. Uh, there's more to it than just believing in Jesus. There's more to it than just believing. It's, in fact, I'll say this. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus. How many knows uh, Satan believes in Jesus? And if you were to ask others, hey, well, why aren't you a Christian? You, you might get several answers, but they pretty much all come around the same thing. Oh, you know what? I've got so much of a history. Uh, why we got, but here's some of my favorites. Uh, people in church ain't no better than I am. Come on. They don't live any better than I do. And, or here's one. Listen, I can't live up to any standards my wife or my boss says, why do I want to set myself up for failure to, to try to live up to a standard I know I can't live up to? Come on. But here's what we got to realize. 
following Jesus is not about keeping a bunch of rules, commandments. Following Jesus is about a relationship. I'll say, I'll go as far as say this. The disciples, Peter and the others, they didn't endure martyrdom. They didn't endure beheadings. They didn't endure uh, beatings and, and different things they went through just to protect a set of rules. They endured it because of relationship. Because I, come on. When you've got relationship with someone, when you're in love, come on, man, you will do stupid stuff for that woman. You will. You'll watch movies. How many, come on. How many watch uh, Do It Yourself Network? How many husbands in here, you've watched Chip and Joanna Gaines and every uh, mansion, whatever it is? Why? Not because, now, I'll admit, the more I watched it, the more I liked it. But it didn't start out. But I'll do stuff for her. Relationship, relationship. The goal and the ob objective of this life is not to simply follow all the rules, customs, and traditions. The goal is relationship and focusing on Jesus. Um, the, the disciples, the heroes of her faith, man, they gave their life and they walked away from everything for a relationship. John 21 is where we're going to be today. Uh, give you a little backstory before we jump in. Uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus has already occurred. Peter uh, denied Christ, uh, and, and he, he's got to be having one of those moments. Come on, he, he denied the very person that gave him a purpose in life. He denied the one that he'd been walking with for three years that had helped him walk through a lot of junk. He's got to be feeling a lot of shame, a lot of regret, and having a lot of if-only moments. And he's hanging out with some of the other disciples. He's hanging out with Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee, and two other unnamed disciples. He's failed in his faith. He's failed in his relationships. And so what's he going to do? That's where we're going to jump in. John chapter 21, starting with verse 3. So Simon Peter said to the others, I'm going fishing. They say, we'll come too. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. All right, what's Peter going to do? Go fishing. But here's what he's really doing. Remember last week we looked at this. When, when Jesus had his first encounter with Peter, what was Peter doing? fishing and Peter says I'm discouraged I'm frustrated and he does what a lot of us do when we find ourselves frustrated feel like we failed he returns to his old pattern of life his life BC before Christ and, and so he goes back to that season and, and and Peter had to be a pretty good leader because it says the other ones followed him they say, oh, you're going to fish or we're going to go too. And, and, and so, but Peter's having one of those moments. He's discouraged. He's walked through a hard season. And he decides, I'm going to go back to something that at least I know. Come on, haven't we all been there? And if you haven't, give it time. Give it time. You'll walk through a season where you'll say, why even bother crying? I'm just going to go back to the way things used to be. And I believe that's the mindset of Peter. And I believe, here, here's what I really think. I believe as soon as Peter heard the rooster crow, 
I believe the enemy began to whisper in his ear. You saw this coming. You never were good enough to follow this man. You weren't more you you aren't moral enough. You can't get anything right. You were a failure as a fisherman. When he found you, you were you had you hadn't caught anything. And look at you now, you've turned your back on him. And I believe the enemy still does that today. As he whispers into our ear, look at you. Look what you've done. And Peter begins to buy into it. And, and, and the others, they say, we'll follow you. And the Bible says, so they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. Which I think is pretty funny because they're tired. They're hurting. They just watched their, this is not funny. They've watched their friend, their savior, uh, be beaten and crucified. And they say, hey, let's go back to the, our old life before Jesus. This is what I think is so funny because I've seen it happen in my life. Is I'll get frustrated. I'll say, I'm going to go back to something that used to satisfy me. That used to bring me joy. And you do it. And you spend all night doing it. Just like they fished all night and did not catch a thing. And so you said, I'm going to go back. And you don't find the satisfaction you used to find. In fact, you walk away with a guilt and shame and regret. Because you thought, well, I might as well just go back and do it. And it's not working anymore. So they've been out fishing all night, haven't caught a thing. Verse 4. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. I love this. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Let's look at that again. Jesus calls out, fellas, who calls out? Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Now, how long had they walked with Jesus? Three years. And they don't recognize his voice. At the knees, after three years of marriage, and she called me, hey, babe, what's it? And I go, who this? <laughs> We've got some problems. I should be very familiar with her voice. And, and the disciples had talked with Jesus daily. They'd had intimate conversations with Jesus daily. They'd listened to his teaching, but they don't recognize his voice. We do the same thing. We get hurt. We get frustrated. We feel like we failed and can't do anything right. And we can't recognize his voice because we're so consumed with whatever it is we're in the middle of at the moment. That's where the disciples were. They're frustrated. They're overwhelmed. And Jesus speaking directly to them and they don't even understand it don't even recognize it and they go out and they fish don't catch anything come on you ever been there where nothing is working out and you're like can i not catch a stinking break come on i, I i've got to believe okay we're following jesus now now we're on the run for our lives let's go fishing can't catch we can't even catch fish can I, I can't even get a break. And, and I've been there where it seems like nothing is working. And Jesus says, have you caught anything? Not a thing. Look at verse 6. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat. You'll get some. 
So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciples, Jesus loved, I think this is so funny. You've heard me talk about this. Who, this is the book of John. Who wrote the book of John? He's referring to himself. If you don't know, the disciple Jesus loved <laughs> me. Said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for it stripped down for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. Jump down to verse 9. When they got there, I love this, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Who cooked it? Who cooked it? Jesus. This shows the heart of Jesus for people. Jesus shows up at a place. Men that had denied him. Men that had abandoned him. Jesus could have had the attitude, listen, I've done enough. I, I mean, I, I was beaten, I was crucified, I rose from the dead. Somebody else can fix breakfast. <laughs> but that's what Jesus does. His heart for people is like, I'm here to serve you. I'm, yeah, I know what you've done. That doesn't change my love for you. That doesn't change my heart for you. And Jesus begins to serve them. Can, can you imagine the if-only moments in Peter's mind and the other disciples? If only we hadn't abandoned him. If only I hadn't denied him. If only. And Peter's got to be sitting there thinking, how? okay, we know the elephant in the room. Jesus told me I was going to deny him. How do I bring it up? Let, let's just go ahead but Jesus does. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, you know I love you. He says, take care of my lambs. The second time Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus says, take care of my sheep. A third time, he looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? The Bible says that Peter was hurt. Because Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? And he said on the third time, Peter looked at Jesus, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Why, why did Jesus ask Peter three times? Here's, here's what I think. I think Jesus is saying, Peter, I know you love me. But do you know you love me? Because don't we all get there when they're failings and, in, and when we've fallen short, we start questioning our love for God? If I had loved God, if I really loved Him, I wouldn't have done this. If I really loved Him, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have gone there. And I believe Jesus said, I, I know you love me, but your failings have got you thinking something else. And I need you to know you love me. Despite everything else, Peter, I need you to know you love me. And Jesus, he, he knew Peter's questioning his own love for Jesus. And finally, Peter says, Lord, you know everything. Well, now that Jesus has that awkward moment out of the way, Jesus says, okay, let's go a little bit deeper. Verse 18. Is that it? Jesus tells Peter this, as I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, you went wherever you wanted to go. 
But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands. Others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Get this. Jesus said this to Peter to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him what? Oh, I got to pull it up. Then Jesus told him what? What did Jesus tell him? He said, this is the kind of death you're going to die. Follow me. Now watch. Peter turned around, saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, <laughs> the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Now look, Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus tells Peter, this is how you're going to die. It's not going to be pretty. And Peter does what a lot of us do. What about John? What's going to happen to John? I'd like to hear how he's going to die. And Jesus is just not politically correct. Because Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? And then he ends it with what? Follow me. Peter? If I want him to live forever, what, what, what's that got to do with you? I, what, what do you think is going through Peter's mind at this time? I, I think it's probably something like this. Check out this video. she's a separate person from you you're never going to get the same things as other people it's never going to be equal it's not going to happen ever in your life so you might as well learn that now okay well then i get something else yummy you get, get something else what do you mean you get i get something no, else nobody yummy. jane nobody gets anything she got something she got a mango pot yeah that, that's that's right now she's lucky and you're not particularly lucky maybe later you'll be lucky maybe but it's so you only should be concerned with what somebody That's else... That's not fair. I'm telling you something right now. You should only ever be concerned with what... You are not fair. Listen to me. The only time you look in your neighbor's bowl is to make sure that they have enough. You don't look in your neighbor's bowl to see if they have as... as, as to make sure you have as much as them. You want to just make sure that they are... If can you're I just have at, some calcium yes, chocolate? Yes, you can have a calcium chocolate. Make sure your sister gets one, too. Thank you, Daddy. Yeah, you're welcome. Anybody had that going in your house over the past few weeks? It's not fair! Every day. And she's talking about her husband. It's not, no, come on. It's not fair! 
Come on, anybody said that. It's not fair. It's just not fair. And, and I think that's what Peter, Jesus goes, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? You know I do. Okay, here's how you're going to die. That's not fair. I mean, so, so, and Peter looks around, what about this guy? In other words, Jesus, if I don't get a mango pop, he shouldn't get one either. Come on. Aren't we that way too? Even in church. If, if we're being honest, there are times when if we're not being blessed, we secretly don't want other people being blessed. We would never verbalize it, but, but we were like, uh, uh, you know what? what? If, if I don't have mango pop, Jesus, they shouldn't either. Uh, Jesus, why, why, why do they get to buy a new car? Jesus, why do they get to have a baby? Why are they getting the promotion? I work here too. Why is their business flourishing and mine not? I'm a Christian too. I mean, going to this, it's not fair, God. It's just not fair. And Jesus is telling Peter he's going to die. Peter looks back at John and says, what about him? How's he going to die? And Jesus says, that has nothing to do with your past. Has nothing to do with the path I've got you on. And Jesus gets very direct with Peter. He says, Peter, if it's my will that John lives forever, if it's my will that he has a life of ease and prosperity, what's that got to do with you? What's that got to do with you? And I want to give you four quick truths about when it comes to your path and following Jesus. Here's one you need to get whether you're young or old as this, if you're looking for a life of fairness, this life ain't for you. I'll say that about life in general, the world in general. If you're looking for a life of fairness, come on, we've heard, we all know this. Life ain't fair. Life's not fair. But let's be honest, haven't we all witnessed the unfairness of life? I, I'm about to get real, real with you. And if I offend some of you, I hope I don't. But I'm about to be real with you because I've heard it and I've said it. Uh, you, you've got a, a, a couple over here. They're trying desperately to have a baby. And nothing. They, they can't, she can't get pregnant or they have miscarriage after miscarriage. And they, they, they want to take care of this kid. Then over here, you've got uh, someone who is popping out babies left and right. And they don't care. They don't, they don't take care of them. They just treat, treat them with, with disdain. Come on. And you have to look and say, that's not fair, God. We, we'll take care. And you've got someone over here that's just, come on. I, I guess I'm a. I'm the heathen that thinks this, these things. I, wouldn't, I, I, I witnessed this with my dad. My dad, the godliest man I ever knew, a great pastor, great father. And he's got brain cancer. This church is praying for him. My church in Atlanta is praying for him. We got people all over the world praying for him, believing for a miracle, and he died. And I'm thinking, God, what about these people that are 10, 15 years older than him that are out just living for themselves, doing nothing for the kingdom, and yet they're prospering? God, that's not fair. Come on, maybe I'm a little too honest today. And you think that's just not fair. And 
now let me be clear. Jesus wasn't telling Peter that John was going to live forever because Jesus knew that wasn't going to happen. He just said, hey, let John worry about his path and you worry about your path. Here's something we all need to understand when it comes to our faith journey and our walk with Jesus. We are following the same person, but we are not on the same path. We're not. Uh, we're following the same scripture, the, the, the same Jesus, the same truth, but our paths are not the same. But see, when you begin to focus on somebody else's path and begin to compare that to your path, it'll mess with you. Man, I hope y'all get this. And, and you, you say, well, why? Oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But we've all done it because we start comparing our path with someone else. I mean, we're like, their path seems to at least have shade. Their path is paved and got lights on it where you can see mine. I've got a machete out just trying to get through it. Fight through the pools and ivy. Come on, could you at least give me a marker, Jesus? And we start comparing. And when we do that, we say, well, I must not be doing something right. Because if I was doing something right, my path would be a lot easier. Come on now. It's easy to start comparing paths. And the truth is we may be following the same Jesus, but we're not all on the same path. And I'll go deeper with this. We need to embrace the path God has you on, but don't assume your path is the only path. I'll say this, the church has been so guilty of this, and people in the church. We base our experience of revival, our experience of renewal, and that sets the standard for how it should be everywhere. And if it's not happening like that everywhere, it's not God. They don't know God like I do. If they knew God like I do, come on, they'd be Chandelion 15 hours a day at least. And we compare those things. And what we need to understand, listen, your path, that may be the path God has you on, but that's not the only path. I've said this before, and I will continue to say it. We understand this, that Watts Bar Church is not the church for everyone. We're not. We believe God has called us and given us a way to reach and minister to people that we, may, we know it may not line up with your experience. And that's okay. Come on, because we believe other churches minister in different ways because there are other people out there that are not on the path that we're on, and they'll be able to reach those people. You, you see, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we need to get away from this attitude. Our roads lead to our church. Our roads lead to our ministry. Our roads lead to our way of doing th something. Uh, doing things. Here's what we need to do. We are part of a greater movement that is beyond ourselves. And God does not limit himself to your little box that you've placed him in. Oh, that's good. Huh? Let, 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 let's move on. I'm getting a little too passionate. Don't limit your path. Denise and I were worship pastors for 20 plus years. That's what we were, that was our path. We had vocally numerous times said, 
We will never be senior pastors. We don't want to be senior pastors. We don't, well, okay, I don't. I don't like people. And it's like we're going on this 20-plus years, worship pastors, and then, you know, the, the, the uh, navig GPS is and start saying, redirecting, redirecting. No, I like this robe. No, I like this robe, redirecting. And God puts us on a different path. I'm telling you, don't get married to your past because I'm, God has a funny way of showing up and switching paths on you. Don't focus on the past. Focus on the person, Jesus. That's why he follows up with those things. Follow me. Follow me. Peter, follow me. Not some idea of what you think your past should look like. And I think that's where we mess up in our walk with Christ because we're following an idea of what we think that past should look like instead of just following Jesus. I'm telling you, the most fulfilling and satisfying place you will be is when you find the path that God has designed just for you. Can I tell you this? My job as a pastor, as pastor of Watsonbar Church, is not to make sure your path leads you here every Sunday. My job as a pastor is to make sure that whatever path God has designed for you, that you're on that. If it leads here, praise God. But if it leads somewhere else, that's good because I want... God's got people in your path that you're going to reach that I can't. My job is not to get everybody we can in this place. This church has always been a sending church where we send people out. And I'll just tell you, with an estimated 7.5 billion people in this world, we've got to understand that God has different people on different paths with different methods and different styles of ministry to reach different cultures and different people groups. Our path is not the only path. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Every path has to be grounded in God's Word. Has to be. Has to be. And I'll say this. You can say what you want about what's of our church, uh, but you cannot say that we are not 100% devoted to the truth in God's Word. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, it can run the gamut of what you can say about, about us. In fact, I told our team the other day, I said, Listen, nothing bad's been said about us in a while. We've got to step our game up. <laughs> step our game up, guys. Now, you can say the pastor dresses funny. pastor doesn't wear a suit. pastor has tattoos. You can say that our music is loud. You can say that, hey, that church plays secular music, shows secular clips. You can say they do vi crazy videos and songs. You can say what you want, but you can never say that we water down the word of God. We simply do this. We understand that we're a church and a community that are on a different path than other churches. In fact, we pray for other churches. And I told our staff a few weeks ago, because there for a while, every week, we would get up, one of our leaders, and we would pray over an area, a church in this area. We would call churches through the week. Hey, how, we're going to be praying for you this week. How can we pray for you? And, and, and I pray, still pray for church. Why? Because I know that they're going to be somebody that's on their path. And I want that church, I want that ministry to be successful as it can be because they're reaching people I will never be able to reach. So we pray for them. 
Well, PK, what about this church? What about that pastor? What about that ministry? What about this person? Here's what, here's what I believe God would say about that. If I choose to use them differently than what you're accustomed to, what is that to you? Mm. Let's hurry and wrap this up. I'm hungry. <laughs> Following the same person, but we're not on the same path. Also, we're following a person, not an idea. Ideas are good. We're able to sit in air conditioning today because of an idea. We don't have to walk everywhere. Listen, we can drive around the parking lot in Walmart waiting for somebody to pull up a little closer so we don't have to walk very far because of an idea. Idea. But we're not following a good idea. We're following Jesus. And, and here's what I mean. A lot of times, Jesus becomes just a means to fulfill the idea. Well, it's me and Jesus. We're going to build this ministry. Me and Jesus, we're going to build this church, this business. And we think of Jesus as a means of just helping us see an idea come to pass. Here's what I found out about Jesus. God loves taking our ideas. You ready? And replacing them with his. He loves doing that. He loves, he loves taking our ideas and say, here's some better ideas. And sometimes you think God thinks he's God. And he can do that kind of thing. See, when we're following an idea instead of a person, we can be trying and trying and trying and get frustrated. God wants a deal. And God is saying, hey, that's a good idea, but that's not a God idea. And I'm trying to get you on a separate path. That brings us to our fourth truth. If I can get Bob to come on up. We are following a person with a strong will. Any parents of strong-willed children in here? Y'all are liars. I know your kids. Look, here's, here, okay, let me, let me read you the definition. Strong-willed, tenaciously unwilling to yield. Now, any parents got any kids that are strong-willed? Any spouses got any spouses that are strong-willed? Look, oh, the fingers are pointing now. Pointing now. Jesus is that way. He's strong-willed. He wants his own way. Kelly, isn't that kind of selfish of Jesus? Not when you understand that his will is perfect. Not when you understand that his will is to bless you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. Not when you understand that his will is to give you the life that you can never, on your own, you can rip the script for it. His plans are perfect, flawless. Flawless. See, we love scriptures like Proverbs 16, 9. We make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Let's put that on a t-shirt. And we love that scripture until it's our steps the Lord's interfering with. Come on. I wonder how many in this room have stories like, well, here, was my, here were my plans, but God... Think of my mom and dad. Dad had a successful business. Never pastored before. And here's the call of God. Begins to pastor. He's like, well, we had a plan. 
this business was going good. And Dad did his best to try to help us boys learn the business. That back then, we were going to be rock stars, so we didn't need to learn how to work on. Dad had, Mom had this plan, but God, there's a lot of people over the past 37 years that are thanking God that God changed the path for Mom and Dad. I think of mine and Denise's life. We had plans, but God. I think of James McCombs, who in his own confession said this, when God began to mess with him, he, he didn't like anybody but his inner family circle and didn't care if he knew anybody else. And God began to mess with him and jack those plans up. And now he's caring about people that he doesn't even know at all. I think of stories like English. Good job. Why would I want to start a business? Why would I want to start my own clinic? But God, and I can't tell you the number of people that get ministered to weekly there. I look around this room thinking, why in the world would anybody move from Hawaii to 10 Mile, Tennessee? God's just playing a cruel joke. We're going to get there, and then God's going to say, I just can't go back. Gave us two of our elders. But God, I look around this room, man, the story upon story. We have these plans, but God, but God, listen, I'm not saying don't make plans. I think you should make plans. Get, get a plan laid out for your life, your career, marriage, your future, dream job, job. But in the words of 38 Special, hold on loosely. Some of that, that's like a gun. I said this last week. God uses those the most that hold on to the least. Yeah, make plans. But when God begins to redirect, don't be so married to that path that you can't go where God's saying. In meetings, some of our guys, we got a discipleship group with Curtis. Curtis says, when we moved down here to Spring City, we had no idea why God was moving us down here. We were just coming to start a business. But God, but God, the path that Curtis, that God has got Curtis on, I've never even told you this, I, I, I think, because I've watched him. I've been in there several times, and I watch him walk up there to the bar and a couple of guys drinking, and, and Curtis just builds a relationship. Relationship. And I think, man, that's the path God has him on. And it would be easy to look at that. Come on, Kelly. That, oh, man, he's, he's getting to pour into people that I never would. I never would. I'm, I am 52 years old. I know it's hard to believe. Not a one. Oh, you look good for 52. Nothing. What I've learned in those 52 short years is that the plans God has for me are way better than any plan I could ever come up for my own, myself. Anybody want to know what his plans are for you? Jeremiah 29 11 gives you a good layout. I know the plans, the ideas I have for you. 
plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God's plans for your life are far greater than anything you could dream up on your own. Let's close with this. Jesus is on the shore. He's made breakfast. You know what's funny? I've thought about this. The guys go back out to their their old way of life. They haven't called anything. Yet when Jesus speaks the word, they catch so much they have to have somebody else help them. I think Jesus is reminding them, guys, without me, it don't matter what you do. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And they call all these fish, but then Jesus don't even need them. Because he, they come up short and Jesus already got breakfast ready for them. And when I was studying this scripture, this story this week, it reminded me of another scripture, Revelations 3.20, where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, get this, I will come into him, eat with him, and he with me. A lot of times I think this, I think we, we, we don't, we hear the knocking on the door. We hear God changing paths, but the reason we don't knock, uh, open the door is because we don't think we have anything worth giving Jesus. When Jesus is saying, all I'm asking you to do is open the door or come on shore, I've got the food. I've got everything for you right here. I'm just, all I'm asking for you is to come on shore. Come on shore. Open the door. Stand with me across this room. I don't know where you're at. And, and I'll just say this. I, I'm not going to do a heads bowed, eyes closed thing. I know that's what you're supposed to do. But I'll just tell you, man. been a rough week or maybe not a week past three or four days and if it hadn't been for guys like my brother my older brother Chris Lyon, D. Pinker some men in my life reminding me that God has me on a different path I had to, do, I had to, I had to come in can, can I be I mean, y'all know me I am raw I am real I had to come in this morning before I could even start. Get, I had to repent. Because I had some bad feelings going on. I had some anger towards some, some things that had been done to Denise and myself. And, and, and it's easy to think, well, you know, this is the standard they're setting. And, and I don't, look at me, God. I'm not that person. I mean, I am, look at Come on, y'all, look at me. And it was easy to get mad because I didn't feel like I was, and, and I, I know what I'm preaching on. And I'm like, come on, God. Don't make me live by what I've got to preach. And I had to come in here and ask, God, forgive me. I don't want to have these thoughts and attitudes about these people and thank you for reminding me because I've been told there are things I need to change about the way I deliver the word there are things I need to change about this and about that 
and this week just getting a text from my brother, Casey. At first, I just wanted to stomp his head in. Come on, listen. Let me lay here for a minute. I want to feel bad for myself. But that's the thing about community. Think about having people in your life that will come along and say, listen, quit your whining. Boy, I almost said something else. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> quit your griping. Get up back on the path God has you on. Your path doesn't look like their path because God has you going to reach people that they cannot reach. Now shut up and get going. He would say it like that or I would have hit him. But I'm thankful for that. And I believe there are people in here, you've been comparing your path to others. And maybe you think I don't measure up because I don't have, and, and I'm telling you, your path. That's why today's message, I, I didn't even know what I was going to, this week's title to this message was, What If Only Week Two, until this morning. And it's like, your path. People need to realize, what is the path God has you on? Quit comparing it to other people. Quit getting mad when you see them having things maybe easier than you. And realize, yeah, right now your path may be full of poison ivy. It may be full of potholes. But once you get on the other side, what God has waiting for you is anything better than anything you could have ever imagined for yourself. Anybody in here tired of comparing? Anybody in here, yeah. Anybody in here tired of comparing your path to somebody else's? Get them up. Come on, come on. Anybody tired of saying, well, I'm not, I, they, they're super spiritual. Look at me. I, what am I? And we comparing it. Come on, get them up. Get them up. Because I'm about to pray. Anybody want to be the person that says, I am dead set, God. If this is the path you want me on, I'm going to stay on it. And if you tell me to move, I'm not so married to this path that I can't move over here. Come on, where you at? Keep them up. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak life. I speak wholeness. I speak healing. And I, I, I right now command the enemy's voice to shut up from everything he's trying to whisper in people's ears telling them they can't do this they can't do that they're not good enough no god this is the path you have us on and help us to embrace it help us to walk it out and be on it where we're following you not an idea we're following you god and god let us have the courage that if you says it's time to change directions, that we will, even when it's uncomfortable. I just want to follow you, God. God, I'm tired of worrying about what others may say or think. Help me not to look to the left or right or behind me saying, what about them? But let me stay focused on you and follow you follow you in Jesus big name and the church said amen amen, amen.